1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness
3: of Michael.
0: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think
3: I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall.
0: Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
4: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin.
0: And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, what to welcome, In I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball, where you turn for uh, basketball discussion and All kinds of uh, storytelling elements as well. You know, I I got a lot of things that I want to share about uh, my trip to Israel coaching the Maccabi Games team. And for people who don't know what it is, it's cool. Um, It's basically considered the Jewish Olympics. And it's neat. Um, This particular time, I coached as head coach five years ago, which meant six years ago we had tryouts. We picked a team. Some guys end up canceling one guy gets hurt you know blah 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 blah. this team was actually selected uh two years ago and john shire was supposed to be the head coach at the time john shire was the lead assistant at duke and then of course the next summer he was named uh the head coach and waiting was gonna be the head coach and because of it he had to uh kind of politely bow uh bow uh, you know kind of walk away from it. So part of this was the team that that he selected. Scotty Greeman, who um I he hasn't done the pod yet, but he said he's going to. Scotty was supposed to be his assistant. Scotty played on the team. He um uh you know he's uh Scotty was a tremendous player and he's a tremendous coach. And so he was supposed to take over he's an assistant American but because he was changing jobs this off offseason I end up getting the call. Okay, look, I, 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 I'm I nothing but, but honest with you guys, and it's it's fun. It's a thrill. It was a little challenging because it was not a team that I had selected. So as much as the practices were about getting better, a good portion of the practices were about me trying to figure out who to use them, how to use them, who to play, how to play. And that's kind of what we did. um Sky, Sky and Skyett and was my assistant and he was the defensive coordinator and his, he took what they do and how they do at Princeton as he's a full-time assistant and put in a play. And I, I find him to be an outstanding coach. Players like him. Um, he teaches in a way in which is easily consumable. He's demanding, but not in an overbearing way. Um, for me to work with him, I thought we had a great symbiotic work and relationship I did the offense. He did the defense, and then I did the get on their ass about playing hard sort of thing. He did the the scouts and the the, the minutia, if you will. It was really good, Uh and part of the the trip is the the head coach and assistant. We actually roomed together for three and a half weeks. Right, so we did training camp in New Jersey for three days. We did a training camp in Israel for four more days. Then we do touring where we train in the morning and tour in the afternoon. We played friendlies against the 18-under team and the Israel uh 20U team. And then we played six games. We won all eight games, two friendlies and six. And we were always better in the second half than we were first half. And I I think a good portion of it was his help with adjustments, uh, my demand for um <clears throat> the type of energy every day at practice not just enthusiasm energy so that we were in great shape but i got to know skyler on a sky on a on a level that's above that of just being a a, a coaching colleague on that of being a really good friend and when i heard his story i thought you know i, I really wanted to tell his story on this pod so sky eddin's an assistant coach at princeton This interview is a snapshot of what it's like to recruit to the Ivy League, how to get to where he's gotten at just 30 years old, and what he wants for his own future. I thought you'd enjoy it. Here's my pod with Princeton assistant, Sky Ed. Um, All right. So, obviously, we have now, like, this crazy month and a half of, like, friendship go from, like, don't know each other to living together for a month uh that i want to get to which is fun yep but i, I purposely didn't ask you a bunch of this stuff because sometimes it's better to, like learn about a person as you go and then dial back right because you bring in the baggage of then whenever there's like a lull in conversation like i don't know the interviewer brain in me goes like oh hey tell me more about <laughs> anyway so let's start at the beginning you okay. you're born grew up where
3: Princeton, New Jersey.
2: So born and bred. Yeah, man. Crazy. Um, parents educators, like why were you in Princeton?
3: Uh both my parents psychologists. Um they How'd you feel about had... that? <laughs> exactly. I was uh growing up for sure. <laughs> um they both had like private practices a little outside of you know, uh Princeton, about twenty minutes away. Um So they settled in Princeton and, uh, you know, been here ever since. What what kind of psychologists were they? Both clinical psychologists. My mom deals with trauma. Uh, My dad used to do uh, group therapy. Um, So, yeah, all all the uh, conversations you can imagine we had. Uh, That was a life.
2: Why'd you love basketball? What was it? What was it? When was it?
3: What? Tell me how that relationship. Started. Uh, really, from my dad. You know, he uh he was a huge fan. Uh, he played in high school. He actually played at Cranford High School, and at the time, the head coach was Hubie Brown. Uh, so he played for Hubie, which was cool. Uh, he has a bunch of he have a bunch of really cool stories. Um, some nice, some not so nice, as you can imagine. Uh, I
2: believe just so you know, and it's funny. You know, we went to that movie in Cranford. Yes. Minions movie in Cranford. But, um, my dad replaced Hubie at Fairlawn High School, which I think he was at Fairlawn before Cranford.
3: Wow. Right. And that's That's like, yeah. So that's, that's how small the world is. That's amazing. That's amazing. So yeah, it really came from him. You know, I started playing at a really young age, you know, four or five. Um, and just the, you know, the love developed from there, you know, just, you know, by going outside and, and you know, playing at the park with him. And, um, you know, you just kind of, you fall in love with this thing and you keep doing it and, and, uh, you know, you want to chase some things in the game. So that's. So kinda- you,
2: when you grew up in Princeton, New Jersey in the nineties. Yes. Are, is like everything, the Princeton offense, like from the very youngest age, you like do the, you, you know, the 45 <laughs> and all those things.
3: Yeah, you know, I grew up going to the camps, right? Uh, you know, you had first John Thompson uh, when I really started to go, which was early 2000s, um, and then Joe Scott. And um, so you, you kind of grow up with, uh, you know, learning, you know, thinking, you know, you know how to play a little bit. And, uh, you know, I grew up going to games. And so uh, definitely the, the Princeton offense was always at the forefront of things, for sure.
2: Um. What was what was the park or the rec center where you kind of like were first hooping at?
3: Yeah, so there's this park, Community Park, which is a local elementary school. I didn't go to Community Park. There's four elementary schools in Princeton, but Community Park had this uh league and it still does. It's uh and it goes from younger kids to middle-aged kids to adult league at night. Um so I used to go Uh, playing the kids league and then I would stay and watch the adult league and at that time it was division one sanctioned so um, a lot of the Princeton players who were around in the summer would play uh, and it was really good competition some really good players passed through there Um, so that's really where I truly developed my love for for basketball just watching the men's league games you know it was a really cool atmosphere people will come it's outside under the lights Uh, really cool experience the league's been going for almost 30 years it's pretty cool
2: what um,
3: what high school did you go to? I went to Princeton High School, the public high school in Princeton. Yeah. So
2: are they the Tigers as well? It's like everything.
3: The, the little Tigers, Doug, the little Tigers, you know, couldn't be the normal Tigers, have to be the, the little the
2: Princeton Little Tigers?
3: <laughs> yes, sir. Did you guys run uh, elbow
2: and chin as well?
3: No, no, we, we, we didn't run as much of that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, a, there's obviously a, a big pull from the university in a lot of ways. H- who's your high school coach? Uh this guy Jason Carter. Um he went to Princeton High School. Um was a really good soccer player actually. Uh played in college and um you know, he coached me as a freshman on the freshman team and then my sophomore year I got moved to varsity and he became the varsity coach. So I had him all four years and he actually was one of my college assistants at one point. So I spent a lot of time with uh coach Carter. Good guy. What what were you like as a player? Um, I was a undersized forward. Um, you know, I was six, four, um, forward wing. Um, I didn't shoot. I actually kind of turned myself into a shooter in college. Um, but in high school, I didn't shoot many threes and kind of just finished around the rim and was crafty and, uh, you know, um, but undersized for sure.
2: What was, what was like, obviously your dream was to play at Princeton. What, What was, what was the dream?
3: Um, The dream, I don't know if it was necessary to play at Princeton. You know, I, uh, you know, there's some pretty smart guys, obviously now working there. I know how smart they are. So, uh, you know, I'm a smart guy as well, but I didn't know if Princeton would be my path. Um, I really just wanted to play in college, you know, division one was obviously the ultimate goal. And, you know, as I started to become, you know, junior and senior kind of realized that division three was going to be more of my path or I would walk on division one somewhere. Um, but the ultimate goal was to play in college and, you know, play as long as I could.
2: What what, what were your parents like when you're like, again, they come from the world of psychology, not from the world of basketball. You have this passion for it. And then you're trying to figure out what were they like during this time?
3: They were great. Really supportive. I mean, my dad coached me all the way through till till I got to high school. Like he coached middle school travel and whatnot. Um, And, you know, we did everything as a family. Right. I'm an only child. So I don't have siblings. Um so they came to all the games. I mean my parents very rarely missed any of my games. Um so really supportive and just kind of helping me, you know, whether it's helped me get to a travel team to get better or, you know, do some different things. They were uh, you know, helping me follow that that dream of playing in college. When did you first find out your dad was sick? Uh 8th grade. 8th grade he got diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Um so that was, you know, he's a really smart he was a really smart guy, wrote a bunch of books clinical also, um, other, you know, fiction books. And, um, so you kind of started to see some different things, you know, he used to work a ton. So you thought maybe, you know, uh, he wasn't sleeping enough and, you know, then ultimately he got tested. And, um, then the progression kind of started from there, you know, went from, you know, ninth grade, he was still working sophomore year. He started to stop really working and junior year, he kind of went downhill and, and stopped talking junior, senior year. And so definitely an adjustment.
2: What was that like for you?
3: Really hard, really hard um you know he was you know imagine this person that coached you your whole life that was your biggest influence you don't have siblings you're really close with your family in general um and to go from someone you know a relationship where now i'm having to help take care of him with my mom right like we're balancing you know each other or you know come home early from school you know have last period of the day free so i could check on him you know so that was uh you grow up fast in those situations right um so it was hard for sure
2: did you let your your coaches in? Like, did, did Coach Carter, did he
3: know? Yeah, yeah. Coach Carter knew. He was great. Um, you know, the whole community of Princeton, I'm really lucky. You know, the whole community kind of took us all in and, and looked out for him. And, you know, he had his moments where he'd wander and people in the community would see him and give him a ride back home. Or, you know, he'd wander to the high school and somebody called me and I'd go get him. You know, like he, um, the whole community of Princeton really looked out for us. We had some really good friends, you know, including coach carter and um so everyone was really understanding and, and new and uh really helpful
2: but you're talking about like okay balancing your school basketball your dad has got alzheimer's managing it with your mom yep. like still a high school student and a dude so did this yeah. like like are you, were you able to date like were you did you go did you do like the regular high school stuff or was there's just too much other stuff kind of going on
3: no i did i did I, I i you know my mom was really good about you know you know, uh, making sure that I had the normal high school experience. And, and I did that, you know, I played football in high school, I played basketball, you know, had a girlfriend, all the above, you know, I, I had to be as normal as possible, but I, you know, I also included my dad in a lot. I'd bring him around different places, uh, you know, um, so you, you kind of had to balance trying to, you know, have a normal life, but also, uh, knowing that there's some differences and some responsibilities that you have at a younger age that people don't have necessarily.
2: You get? Did you decide where you were going before your senior year, after your senior year? How, kinda, how-
3: yeah, kind of in the middle of my senior year. I was really, there was four schools uh, that I ended up kind of choosing from. I was going to walk on at either College of Charleston or Tampa uh, or play at Guilford where I ended up going for a year or the College of New Jersey. Um, and I ultimately decided I really wanted to play. Um, I didn't want to, you know, take the chance of not making the team or not being able to, you know, have a chance to contribute. So decided to go to a small school in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, which is Guilford, who was really good. And they they were coming off two final four appearances the year before I got there. Um, so I went there and it was a great experience. Um, I ended up breaking my foot before our first game. So I was out all year, which was really hard. Um, and that's kind of where the coaching part started for me because I got to watch for the first time and not play. Um, and then I ended up transferring because my dad was really sick at that time and, and was, you know, on the, the kind of end stages of, of life there. So I transferred back home um, to be close and uh, finished my uh, time out at the College of New Jersey, which I loved.
2: Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, though, in the decision to go to Guilford when you don't have your dad's voice. Yeah, right. Like, like, if I look at, I mean, honestly, my dad probably too involved in my, my decision making to go to Notre Dame. Right. Mm-hmm. like it, it was almost, you know, he almost kind of led me right to, to the water. Yeah, I drank it. Although, I mean, I, it was definitely my decision. I, I take full accountability for it. But, but I do know that, you know, like you said, he coached you at a young age. I'm sure he knew your game. Yeah. And at some point you would have liked to how what what now kind of looking back what is that like to make life-changing decision like
3: go away to school and not have his guidance yeah it was really hard you know you you end up making (laughs) most of these important decisions right uh really without him uh unfortunately And i just tried to you know i tried to remember everything he's told me taught me learned from him right whether it's through you know uh when i was younger or even you know you learn things from people even when they're going through this stuff right like you learn you know you learn things about people so i just you know i I obviously became really close to my mom and and she was really helpful but um for me it was just trying to I, i think i need to get away for a little bit you know had been really hard being home um and it was a really tough decision to leave that situation, and my mom kind of pushed me to do it. Um, and it, you know, it helped me grow in a lot of ways, right? It was, um, but it was hard. It was hard, you know, not having his voice to, you know, have someone to bounce it off with. And you know, that's where kind of the family atmosphere of, you know, Jason Carter, my high school coach, um, Steve Everett, my high school football coach, like those guys were really helpful and really caring. So I had a big circle around me. Played high school football? I did. I did. Believe it or not, I played what position. I played corner. I stayed twenty yards off. Twenty <laughs> yards off. Did I played cover three and you know, I just met you, you know, you wanted to throw deep. I met you there and and uh you know. Like you play quarterback, you're six four and smart. Like you get a, you might have had a have I a started to late. I, so I always you'll like this story. So I always wanted to play football growing up. My whole life, want to play football, play with my friends in the backyard. Mom wouldn't sign the permission slip. Neither of them would sign the permission slip. No one would let me play. I'm begging, begging both parents, let me play pop Warner. No. All right, freshman year, let me play high school. So my dad, he was still in ninth grade. He, was, you know, he was still working. He, he hadn't really declined yet. So my dad's like, all right, I'm gonna go watch the first practice, and I'll let you know. He goes first practice. It's like hitting practice, and he comes back. He's like you're not playing (laughs) and uh so my high school coach steve everett was you know he's very charismatic he walked the hallways he grabbed new football players every day and he you know he'd be like come on come play i'm like i can't they won't let me so my junior year comes around and he's like i'm coming to the house so the high school football coach comes to my house my dad at this point was you know not speaking so it was really just my mom and uh, you know he did a good selling. You know, Sky's not going to get hurt. I'm going to put him on defense. Blah blah blah. And uh, was able to convince my mom. You know, and and uh, you know that at the, that point was out of the picture a little bit. So uh, got to play football for my last two years. Um, but how was it? It was awesome. It was football is like football is it's, awesome. It's so cool. It's a different experience. Locker room. You're with you know 40, 40 people. It's 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 a whole different atmosphere and we had 22 seniors that played um so we had a really tight net group and you know for uh, our town we had some some pretty good you know we made the state playoffs for the first time in a couple of years so it was cool it was really cool
2: you come back to uh, well let, let's let's start with your at guilford
3: who's yep. the coach the coach is uh gosh i'm blanking on his name palumbo uh tom palumbo uh, who had been there for a long time, he was the athletic director and coach, um, and I got recruited by the assistant Caleb Kimbro. Um, so yeah, it was uh, you know he convinced me to go and uh, went all the way out to greensboro
2: what was what's Guilford like as a school?
3: really small school, under two thousand. Um, it had a really good sports management program, which I knew I wanted to be in sports at that time. I didn't know I wanted to coach, but I knew I wanted to do something along sports. Um, and I think the combination of uh, good academics, good sports management program and a really good basketball program uh, was, you know, really what drew me to it.
2: I'm looking at Reagan Brown Fieldhouse. How where you guys play. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is a weird looking place.
3: It's weird. It is weird. So it has like wood ceiling kind of but all yeah. these different like like a barn. Angles. Yeah. Huh? It's like a barn. It's weird. It's uh it, it was cool though. They had and they had a lot of tradition and history like you know like I mentioned they were coming off two final four appearances. They had two guys that played in the NBA Summer League like they had done a really really good job. Um, and it's a really, the ODAC is a really good league. I mean, you got Randolph-Macon, who I think just won the national championship this past yeah. year, Three um, Virginia Wesleyan, who's always good. So it's a really good league. How did you guys
2: play? What was the style?
3: Yeah, we um, we we kind of had a, a ball screen motion and we threw it into, you know, they had a lot of success with bigs. You know, they had just graduated this guy, Tyler Sanborough, who, you know, was All-American and I think maybe even Player of the Year. Um, And we had a couple other, you know, 6'11 bigs. So we threw it into the bigs a lot. And we had this point guard that was really good. I'm playing on his name now. Um, I think Justin Pittman, who could really shoot. So a lot of ball screen motion stuff and and thrown into the post, uh, you know, for some of the bigs. Tom Palumbo, excellent mustache. Did he have the mustache
2: when you played for Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Excellent. Uh, Excellent excellent yeah understand. solid use of the mustache. i can't i'm not a mustache guy i've never been a mustache yeah, guy, but yeah. i do respect guys that go to the mustache is like when you commit to it you commit to it
3: yes yes no he committed I, you know i haven't seen him in a long time but i imagine he still has it that was kind of his look um okay so college of new tech what college of new jersey what's it actually called the college of new jersey
2: Used the to be, College of New Jersey? Like, you the guy, like, state? like exactly, exactly. How, used b- to how, big is this? State. how big is the College of New
3: Jersey? <laughs> it's about six, 7,000. Um, undergrad, so a little bit bigger. Um, also D3? Also Division three. They play in the NJAC, which is, you got your Rutgers Satellite Schools, you got your Richard Stockton, William Patterson. So, totally different league, totally different league in a lot of ways. Uh, more athletes in the NJAC. Um, not as much skill, uh fast pace. Um, so totally differently. And then your your coach there was who? Kelly Williams, Kelly Williams, who's now the athletic director at, uh, Kane, which is where we had our training camp.
2: Right. So, um, but how did it work then with transferring division three, division three? Like, did you call Kelly up? Like, Hey, I'm coming or does there a spot for
3: me? Like, how yeah. You- so he recruited me out of high school. Um, and you know, I kind of knew pretty early I was going to transfer. Um, so I called him and I was like, "Hey, you know, I want to come back home. Um, you know, TCNJ is a place I like to be." And he was like, "Hey, you know, apply." I had been doing really well at Guilford, so I thought I had a really good chance to get in. Um, and he had a spot for me, you know. Um, so you don't have to sit out in Division Three if you go from Division Three to Division Three. Um, so I got in, and that was the only school I applied out of transferring. Um, got in and. You know, stayed there.
2: You mentioned that when you're at Guilford coaching, first came possibility. Um, What was it you were noticing when you're sitting with your broken foot?
3: I just, you know, this is the first time in my life I had not had a season where I'm playing, right? Where you're worrying about so many different factors of playing, getting better development. Like really the whole year was dedicated to rehabbing and watching and learning, right? And from a really good program as in Guilford. So, for me, it was like, wait, like, this is something they do daily. Uh, they're impacting, you know, and, and for me, really what coaching has come down to when I think about it, it's, the, you know, outside of my parents, uh, the people that have the biggest influence have had the biggest influence in my life have been coaches, right? And, you know, I always knew I wanted to do something with people, didn't have the brain power as the parents uh, to go to a lot of schooling and get PhDs and be psychologists. So uh, for me, this was the best route to impact uh, people's lives, hopefully, uh, and be around a game that I love. So Guilford, you know, being hurt was a really good chance to see, you know, day in and day out what coaches did, right, and how they taught and, um, and the impact they had.
2: So you um, so you go to TCNJ. Did you play immediately?
3: I did. Yep, played immediately. It came off the bench, uh, played 20 minutes a game or so. Um, I think I started a couple games towards the you know end of the season, and, and you know TCNJ was like a whole rebuild. It was totally different. Uh, you know the year before I got there, they went five and twenty. Uh, my first year there, we won nine games. Like it was a total rebuild uh, until my senior year, where we had some success. So different experience.
2: And then, how did you come to do uh, work at Princeton while you're still
3: at TCNJ? So, I kind you know, after Guilford, I figured out I wanted to get into coaching. Um, and, you know, so I started to work camps, you know, try to work different camps. And so, Howard Levy, who I think you know, um, Jewish guy that played at Princeton, um, I've known him, you know, my whole life from growing up going to Princeton camps, and he's a close family friend. So, I'd reached out to him about a connection to work camps at Princeton, and, you know, he was able to connect me. Um, so, I worked camps for a summer there. Um, worked at Rutgers, Ryder, kind of did the whole tour, uh, division one tour around New Jersey, um, uh, just to kind of make some connections. Um, and then after a summer of working camp, I got offered a internship with Princeton going into my senior year, um, uh, which is really where, you know, the rest happened.
2: Well, let's, let's go back. Uh, how old were you when your dad died? Uh,
3: I was 21 when my dad died. So you're a junior? Yes, I was, yes, a junior, yep. Uh, what time of year? When was it? What time of year? He passed away in November, November 1st.
2: Yep. So, it's just basketball.
3: Yeah, yeah. I missed my first scrimmage uh, junior year um, because he was in the hospital and, you know, he, you know, went from Halloween. We had our first scrimmage on Halloween and, you know, he he passed uh, in the afternoon on the 1st.
2: How, how did you handle it emotionally?
3: Uh, not great at first, right? Like it was, I was up and down for sure. Like it was, um, really challenging. Like, you know, you had your, your moments uh, that whole season for me, I was, I was up and down and I ended up breaking my ribs, diving on a loose ball in practice. And, you know, so I had broken ribs at the funeral and, you know, it was, uh, you know, everybody's trying to give you hugs and your ribs are killing you. And you're like, you know, they think you're crying cause you're upset, but I'm crying cause my ribs are killing me. Um, but yeah, it was hard. It, it, my emotions were all over the place for sure. You know, some days I handled it better than others. Some days I didn't. Right. Um, So that was really challenging.
2: There's also, and I I don't want to speak for you because my, my, my grandpa died of of Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. There's also this weird, almost relief. Mm -hmm. um, Because, because oftentimes like my dad, when his dad died, he he was there three days and and the third day he died, but before he died, he like recognized him. Mm -hmm. Whereas the first few days he didn't, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you're that's not the person that you know that you love, and then when ultimately they pass, there's a little bit of relief. Of like at the end, it just is really hard to for sure, you know, really hard to interact. And you want to be there, but it's, sure. it's not they don't recognize you, they don't understand you, they don't it doesn't resonate. Did some of that, some of that true wow. with you,
3: for sure. It, it was, you know, the last year my dad was in a nursing home, and he had to be in a nursing home in Pennsylvania because in New Jersey, if you're in a nursing home, then they count your spouses uh, as assets. So my whole mom's, you know, bank account, my whole mom's savings would have got erased paying for <laughs> retirement. So he had to go to Pennsylvania, which is an hour and 10 minutes away. So my mom's going up almost every day. I'm going up three, four times a week to see him it was really hard. Like, you know, you don't want to see anyone in a nursing home. It's a really tough situation. That's not who he was. Um, so, you know, it was, it's sadness, but it was also relief, you know, that he was, you know, no longer, you know, in that state and, and someone that he wasn't.
2: Your best memory of your dad is what?
3: Um, it's really just, it's, it's at community park. Um, just playing, right. Just, you know, working on my game with him, him rebounding, um, you know, we spent a lot of hours there. We spent a lot of hours. So that's, you know, just overall um at community park rebound him rebounding for me.
2: So you get through your junior year before your senior year. How did you find out you got offered this internship at Princeton?
3: One of the assistants who's now our associate head coach, Brett McConnell, um he had reached out to me. He, you know, so that what had happened, they were playing a division three game against Rowan, um, which is in our conference so brett called me and was like hey tell me you know what you know about rowan so i kind of gave him my scout of rowan um and then you know they play rowan they beat him you know whatever he calls me back thanks me uh and then he said hey you know we have this position uh internship position where as long as you're receiving you know school credit uh you can come and intern for us um in the summer is that something you're interested in i was like yes absolutely um so then I got TCNJ to, uh, give me an independent study to do it. I had to convince the, the marketing chair to, you know, there was no really class specific to do that. So I convinced the marketing chair to let me do an independent study to get class credit. And, um, so I did an internship, um, going into my senior year summer, um, after <laughs> the whole summer and, you know, doing everything from helping organize camps to, you know, helping with recruiting visits to, you know, uh, anything they needed.
2: You get done playing. Well, so, your senior year, what was that like
3: as a player? Good. It, w- it was really good. It was the first time. You know, we had struggled at TCNJ. And then, finally, you know, I had a group of guys that actually all transferred in together. Um, we kind of changed, I felt, the culture of the program. And, um, you know, we finished top three, finished first time in 10 years and, you know, made the Jack playoffs. So, uh, we really, I felt like ended on a high note. And, and since then they've, you know, they've won the NJAC. They've had a lot of success and, and uh, you know, have kind of carried that on. So uh, it was great. It was a really good senior year. And and as soon as I, you know, I would go to Princeton still to help out as much as I could. Um, but as soon as our season ended, I went right back to Princeton and, you know, was just volunteering knowing that, you know, I was hoping to get a job in basketball, not Princeton, but basketball.
2: Your last game, playoffs?
3: Ooh, yeah. Playoffs. Jersey City. We lose at home. Oh. Uh, it was against New Jersey City. Um, oh, it was against
2: New Jersey. I was like, yeah, it was-,
3: oh, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, home game. We got upset. Really tough. Uh, did not have the game uh, that I should have had. But, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, they were good. They were really good. They were really good. They did a good job. When you're in the locker room after that game
2: did you realize like that's the last time you're really going to lace them up and be on a team?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely hit me. Like, you know, I had flirted with the idea of if I can't find a coaching job, trying to play in the hundredth division in Israel, wherever they take me. Um, But, you know, I knew it was, it, it was over right from there. So that was, that was tough. Yeah, that was tough. That was a emotional roller coaster for sure.
2: So you start at Princeton
3: and then how
2: did it, how did it progress there? Like first year out, what are you doing?
3: So I got, so I go back to Princeton after our season ends at TCNJ while I'm finishing up. only had two classes my last semester. I'm there every day helping out um, as an intern and the director of basketball operations at the time was this guy, Craig Moore, who was a really good player, played at Northwestern, led the big 10 in threes, um, I think led the country in threes made his senior year and uh he was really good in giving me a lot of work and the assistants gave me a lot of work It was a really good staff um and after uh, he decided he did it he did the basketball operations job for one year and decided that it wasn't for him so he left and i had kind of been doing the job a little bit um for a while and got lucky enough to get an interview and and uh mitch hired me right out of college so i started you know i graduated in may and june 15th was my first day at princeton as director of basketball operations
2: what was what was what was your initial impression of Mitch
3: um really genuine guy like really cares really genuine like you know i would be around the office and he would ask me how i'm doing he took it you know he took interest in me and that's you know for a division 1 head coach to you know ask me as an intern how i'm doing and check in and you know give me you know he would give me some things like hey sky can you work on this project like for him to even Take an interest in me in any way. Um, my first impression of him was just genuine.
2: So, wh- what year is this?
3: This is twenty fifteen.
2: Okay. Um, so the year before you got there, mm-hmm. you guys were just okay. Your first year, twenty two and seven, 12 and two in the league. That's obviously that's the Sky Etten
3: Factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Director of Ops. Uh, you know, Factor for sure. Uh, now we had a, we had a really good team. We had a really good team that year. Really good. Some older guys. What was different
2: about the program being inside it as opposed to when you're just entering? Like what was, what, what, what did you learn in those early stages that was different than you
3: thought? I mean, you just learn there's, you know, at a mid-major level program, like you don't have GAs, you don't have, like you really have your head coach, your three assistants, your director of basketball operations, right? Maybe you have a couple managers, but it is, you were doing everything. Right, and you know especially as Director of ops, you have your hand in a little bit of everything like you work directly with mitch um on a lot of different things, and you know you are you see everything so it it's it's a it's a small business type of approach organization uh that you're kind of running, so you kind of see all of that and and you know all the time equity that goes into it
2: you know I think a lot of us on the outside so People think they know about Ivy Leagues and they really don't have much of an idea about the Ivy Leagues. Um, I think the best example, there's a couple of things. One, it's the, the financial aid element to it. I wanna ask you about that. Yep. Two, there's the grades that are required to, to be recruited at that level. Yep. Um, three, there's this sense that, well, you also have a JV and there's no scholarships so you can take as many people as you want. Again, this is a perception, whether it's a reality mm-hmm. or or not. Um, so let let's start with with that one. Can you take as many people as you want? Is there a limit to how many people you can take?
3: Yeah, th- there's a limit, similar to you know. So how it works is the athletic department the whole gets a certain amount of slots. You know, every department every year it's a little different, and then they give you you know, a certain amount of slots that you can have. And it's usually really, to be honest, like it's usually what you lose. Hey, you're graduating four guys, you get four slots. You're graduating three, you get three slots, right? Um, so you can't, you know, there's this perception like we can just take, take, take. Um, but you only have so many uh, slots that uh, is, admissions will support um, in athletics in total. And each program has a different number each year. Um, so similar to scholarship limit, um, just a little different. Now you do have a JV team? We do, we do, um so that's really guys that are walking on our younger guys will play in that, um you know, and each year's kind of fluctuated based on you know sometimes you don't get as many j v games because you got a lot of injuries right, and younger guys are having to play right, so it kind of just fluctuate based on the year, um but we we have had a JV program and then who coaches that? I've coached it, um I've actually since i've been here, i've coached it for the most part, which has been great
2: and then do they do they just show up at varsity practice? you have their own practice?
3: You know, they. a lot of the guys are ours, so you have a lot of freshmen that play. Um, and then you have a couple, you know, the walk-ons or a couple other guys that aren't in the varsity program that will show up, you know, after practice. And, you know, we'll get, you know, uh, a couple minutes in here or there kind of after practice just to kind of get together Um so it's, it's a little bit, you're kind of figuring it out and seeing who you have. And then, you know, one of a sudden all, all you know, these guys got a test and they can't come down. And so you're kind of, you're, you're adjusting on the fly for sure. Um, but COVID, you know, we haven't had it in a couple of years because of COVID.
2: Okay. So what is, what are, what are the challenges academically? Let's start with just getting kids in.
3: Yep. Um,
2: What are the challenges to getting somebody in academically?
3: It's, you know, I think the challenges are people don't understand from an early age, your transcript's being evaluated, right? So it's not like I'm just looking or admissions, more importantly, is looking at junior, senior year. They're looking at your freshman year, right? And if, you know, there's a blemish there, they're going to ask you or they're going to ask me, hey, why did this person, you know, get a C freshman year math or whatever the case is, right? So I think the challenge is educating people from an early age of that every grade matters, every class matters. You have to push yourself you know, Princeton and other Ivies, they want to see you take uh, an academic rigor um, that challenges yourself. Right. So I think those are the the challenge of just educating people on what a good transcript looks like and how to build that.
2: Can you, can you, like,
3: can you, if you get a seat, are you
2: out? Like, ah, you got a C, he's out, cut him.
3: <laughs> no, no. Um, it, it's really a holistic approach, right? It, it's, it's a holistic approach where they look at everything and, uh, what class did you get in? See what time? Why? You know, there's there's some different things. However, uh, it does make things challenging, right? You you want to avoid C's. okay? The best of your players you had, yeah. The best transcript you've seen,
2: like I mean, it, we've seen some good ones, Doug. Uh, like I give me three one who you followers. have who's uh, you have currently, or you you've coached at Princeton. Yes. Hey, like this thing was this thing was so good, <laughs> I almost thought it was fake.
3: <laughs> we've had a couple where you're like, you know, getting into Princeton on your own is like winning the lottery. Like it's under 5% acceptance rate. It's really hard to get in. And so we've had a couple guys that I was like, wow, give me, give my, me one. <laughs> um, we, we actually had a California, we have a California guy, um, Mason Hooks, and he took really rigorous classes. He wants to do molecular biology. Uh, at Princeton, so he's a science guy. He's six ten. He was first team all state in California. Monster, um, and he's just you know his transcript was awesome, awesome.
2: You're just like no way did kid have
3: a little fun at some point in high school, right? <laughs> You know, Mace Mace is such a funny guy, man. He, you know, he dabbles with a little bit of everything. He called, you know, high school games, baseball games and uh, you know, he plays guitar and and he's just a really well-rounded kid and comes from a really good family. So, but his transcript you're like, "Gosh, he's, you know, I'm watching him grab re- offensive rebound and throw guys around and then you're like, you know, this guy's got a 4.0 and, you know, uh unbelievable transcripts So it, it it was uh those guys you love. You love those guys. No, I we had so so I
2: don't know if I told you this one. So Pat Garrity was at Notre Dame, obviously when I was there. Mm-hmm. And the, the famous Pat Garrity story was he um after his first semester, maybe his second semester, I think his first semester, he got a B. And uh friend McCaffrey, who recruited both of us, and he's a year ahead of me. And McCaffrey called called him in, he's like, Pat look at your grades and you got to be like we didn't bring you all the way here from colorado to get a B. <laughs> and he's like yes sir coach and he like walked out and, like he was like pissed and he bad, was like oh, i was man. just i was kidding Pat. <laughs> <just> kidding that's <laughs> amazing that's it was a amazing. joke just just messing with you and like never got another B. that's awesome that's like, <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> just 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 nutty all right. That's it for part one of my, uh, my pod with Sky Etten. Uh, part two is really, really fascinating. We also talk about FIBA rules, coaching together and, um, and the pandemic year in the Ivy League, what they did and how hard it was to come back from it. A reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, on your iHeartRadio app. You can also download it in podcast form. You can listen to it at Fox Sports Radio or FoxportsRadio.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for part two. We'll drop it in like a day. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball.